Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. I am joined, as usual, by the splendiferous Josh Landy, who's in his Soho House style office. Hello, Josh. Boyd, fantastic to be here on what is possibly the latest yeah. we have ever recorded yeah. a podcast. I mean, in terms of the evening. Sometimes we've done podcasts four days after a game. Oh, yeah. This is Standard. late into the night at the moment. Yeah. Uh, all, all the other podcasts have come out, I noticed. Um, so we had to get this one done today. Plus, I'm going to the Edinburgh TV Festival tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, and we went to we went to the match. You and I sat together. What an absolute joy that was at Crystal Palace! I loved Crystal- it. Yeah, fantastic. I loved it. It was so good to go to the game together. I'm not sure either of us could quite remember the last away game mm. we had done together, but hopefully the first of several. Yeah, this although I'll, although I'll get to I'll get to, we'll, we'll discuss that in detail. Yeah, I have issues, but I need to I need to explain. Um, okay, but we're joined by um, regular guest, staunch, um, footballistically Arsenal uh, supporter, Ricky Lawrence. Hi, Rick. Evening, evening. It's been a it's been a while, but uh, yeah. I'm pleased to be back. And rumor has it, Ricky, that one of the reasons we're doing this so late is because you were just doing another podcast. Is that right? Do tell. Do tell uh, what other podcasts you're now doing. Yeah, that's true. I would like to point out that when Josh asked me to be on, I did push that one back. Right. So I could be on this one first, but then this one got pushed back even later. So, um, yeah. yeah, I rearranged the order. But, um, yeah, you've given me a great opportunity to plug the other podcast that I was on. Um, you it's may not on... another – hold on. It's not another Arsenal podcast that's going to kind of get better listeners. No, than... oh, okay. no. Well, no, most definitely no risk of it getting better better listeners. Um, <laughs> more listeners. More and more listeners, yeah. Um, you may or may not be aware that my older brother supports Spurs. So uh-huh. we basically basically converted our weekly or bi-weekly phone calls where we just chat nonsense and a lot of it is featured around Arsenal Spurs into a podcast uh-huh. um, called Across the Divide, right? Um, which can be followed on Twitter at PodATD. Um, and yeah, so we just recorded the podcast. Uh, yeah, we do it weekly now. We're into our third week, given that we've now had two games a season. We had a preview and now... Mm. Yeah, we'll talk that's, about that's Arsenal a good Spurs, idea. and then yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks. Yeah, is he Arsenal older Spurs, or younger? He's older. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not necessarily sure that these will be too interesting. My family tree, but yeah, my mum supports Arsenal, my dad supports Spurs. I've got one brother that supports Arsenal, one brother that supports Spurs. So myself, and my older brother, have started a podcast. We talk Arsenal Spurs, then we'll talk about like a game from the past, and all from derby from the past. And um, yeah, like I said, it's generally just our own private conversations, just broadcasts to about 15 people, if that. Oh, I like it. I so like uh, it. yeah, hopefully 16 or 17 now, Josh and Boyd. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, my yeah. dad was my dad was the Spurs supporter, of course, as, oh. I, as I often mention. Uh, yeah, I know, that sounds good. But this is this podcast, Josh. This you, is this any, podcast. any of your relative Spurs fans? You know what? I don't think any of my immediate relatives are certainly, you know, no siblings or, or anyone... 
uh, in the immediate family. But good luck to you, Rick, with the uh, with the podcast. And to be fair, you're right. This podcast is only being done at this extraordinary hour because of Boyd's busy life that yeah. so often gets in the way of when we can record. What was tonight's event, Boyd? Do you know what? Tonight was not a glamorous um, uh, event at all. I was li- I was actually dog-sitting for my mate. <laughs> there you go. How about that? So, uh, and he was, he was late back from where he was going. So, yeah, there we go. Right. That is the least glamorous reason. I know. It's the truth. Um, truth. There we go. And and Ricky is in Spain, we should point out. So it's, it's even later, frankly, than it is for us. We, uh, Josh and I, as we said, were at um, Crystal Palace last night. So you, you watching it, did you manage to watch the game live? Spain? Yeah, yeah, watched it. No, no problem at all. Um, I don't like watching footballs, football in pubs or bars, um, especially Arsenal games. So I did manage to watch it from uh, where I'm staying with, actually with my mum, um, right. who is, a, as I've just mentioned, an Arsenal fan, mm. um, which, yeah, I find it a lot more stressful watching on TV, a lot more stressful. Um, you know, there's, there's a sofa yeah. to hit and a pillows to throw. Um, it was not. It was not too fun, but I'm sure it was different for you guys. Well, boys, what did you make of the guys sat right behind you last night? Did oh, they make it God. a more well, <laughs> enjoyable first, experience? First of all, first of all, I have to say, I, I, all the reasons why I don't, I rarely go, I, I rarely go to away games, and 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 I had a brilliant time. I, I I loved it. It was great. But equally, at the same time, if, a lot of things that went down. <laughs> last night underlined why I have issues going to away matches. One of which is I'm just too short. I'm five foot six maximum, you know, and I just can't see what the fuck's going on. Cause everyone in the away and quite rightly stands up the whole time. And I'm not going to, you know, it's just the way it is. And I know that. And it's always been that way. And so I just could bet in the first half when Arsenal were attacking the other end, I could barely see anything at all. I bet it's all about like, <laughs> like, you know, three or four incidents. So anyway, that's one issue. The other issue is I do it's always the case that away fans are more hardcore in their views than, you know, regular fans, should we say. They they are the more and and hence we had last night we had an absolute psychopath. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening, um, who was <laughs> madly like particularly hated Kai Havertz and had it in for him right from the start. I think a lot of Arsenal fans do. I mean, I always think with these things. You know, I mean, I you know, I remember when when it was rumored that Kai Havertz was going to sign for us. I was like, oh god, I wasn't exactly thrilled either. But you know, give him a chance and everything. This is like his second league game for us, and this guy was absolutely furious with him from start to finish, and it was r- ridiculous. Yeah, I, it was genuinely twelve minutes on the clock. I looked, oh yeah, and he shouted, "Havertz, you dick!" <laughs> and that set the tone yeah. for the rest of the night of yeah. what was coming out his mouth. He. he I mean, Havertz could have scored a worldie, and mm. he would have been, yeah, he would have been criticising yeah. him. I mean, he didn't um, have an amazing game, but he didn't. He wasn't terrible either. He just had a kind of, you know, bit, bit of a, you know, a nothingy game. I thought, but Boyd, know. we got to think about this though. You can't not come to another away game because of because well, your height's not going to change. You just got to think. <laughs> my height is definitely not going to change. I can confirm that I'm not going to suddenly <laughs> get taller. You've got to no. think about the away, right? You go to Newcastle. You don't all stand. You know, you're already massively high up in the air. That mm. that wouldn't be a problem. So yeah. we just got to think tactically. That Palace is a bit of a throwback yeah. in terms yeah. of type of stadium you've got pillars in the way it's not an easy environment don't give up 
Don't give I up. Won't give up. It, I won't it, give it up. I won't give up. One away game into the season. I, I won't give up. It was a joy because we were we, we were there with um with jo- with um Ben Winston, of course. Mm. Uh, once of this parish, reg- uh, absolute legend. Uh, he he had a brilliant time. Uh, Benji, your mate Benji, who's a great yeah, guy. Benji he's been on the pod. There. He's been on the Ari. pod before. Ari was there with his son. It was like I don't know how his son managed to see. I think I think Ari lifted him up on his. Yeah. <laughs> to see someone need you need to lift me up on your shoulders, maybe. Maybe that's what I, we do next time. I, I, I walked away from the ground thinking, I, I wish I had offered to lift you up and put you on my shoulders. <laughs> well, actually, next time. I was, next time. I was more concerned about the, that than the fact that we won by the time yeah. I got home. Yeah. The other great theme of the evening, Ricky, I don't know if this came across on... on Did you get like the uh, like the Premier League Sky, feed? Yeah, the, uh, Sky Sports I had. Sky Sports, had oh, okay, so yeah. cool. Because um, was the, the singing, which was, um, I have to say, as... I mean, I was one of them, but the 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 away fans, the the, the singing was relentless and was brilliant. The, the atmosphere was great, and but the song that's become like the cult phenomenon of our time is the Bukayo Saka song, which is to the tune of, as I pointed out, because first of all, Benji, I think, said pointed out how ridiculous that song is. It's just absolutely preposterous, and like no one really knows what the lyrics are. It's quite a new song, isn't it? I think. I think England fans coined it. it yes, yeah, started by right? England fans. Yeah. I first heard it in Qatar at, at the World Cup yeah. in Qatar. But you were saying it's to the tune it's of tune of Boulay Boo by Abbott. So, so, which I think is quite camp. No, so it amused me that there's this quite camp song. I mean, it's even not even by Abbott standards, Boulay Boo is a camp song right um it's also remember um alan partridge in an episode of of, of alan partridge the uh, knowing me knowing you he does an abba medley and the hila- the bit where he does voulez-vous is absolutely hilarious um so it's mad did it did it come did you hear that song and the reason i, I mentioned this ricky to you is because i came back and as i do and i watched the coverage on sky and they ended their coverage with their montage of the whole match to yeah. voulez-vous by abba which i thought was a brilliant touch Yes, yes, that was that was nice. I've, I you could you could hear the song quite clearly, and I'm going to sound like a bit of a um, not a bit of a, a bit moody. But the, my my issue with the song is I love the Saka and Smith Rowe song so much yeah. that any song to interfere with that is is a shame. And obviously, also the fact that Smith Rowe is a as a yeah. Because it could in scrum as a bit part player. Is he even that? Oh, um, yeah. yeah, my daughter does. He actually, actually, last night, she, I took my daughter to her first game against Forest uh, last week. Um, mm. She's five. And uh, last night, she stayed up to watch about five minutes of the game. And she called Mikel Arteta. She said it's unfair because she hasn't played Smith. She never played, he never played Smith Rowe anymore. Mm. And yeah, it's just all these feelings come into the song for me. So it's upsetting my daughter. It's upsetting me, oh, uh, but I'm sure we'll be joining in, in, uh, in no time. And yeah, maybe the fact that England fans started it again, which is a bit of a shame, but no great song. It's, uh, it's good fun. And anything just to keep Saka happy is, um, is fine. Yeah. By me. yeah. Your, your daughter, in fact, God, she's not a Tierney fan. Cause I mean, at least, um, I mean, gets on the bench. Tierney's not even on the bench, you know, which is, uh... no, no, I'm, I'm, I assume we'll have to change that song. Uh, yeah. Tierney at the back yeah. relatively soon, because I mean, <laughs> unless, unless the back refers to his backside sitting on the sofa, then, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Timber at the back would be a natural well, replacement in be. that song. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, that, that hopefully that come and gone. Well, now we anyway, we hope it'll be back. Um, yeah, the singing was was terrific, wasn't it? But it was a yeah. good away end. But it is enjoyable going as an Arsenal fan, isn't it? The, the atmosphere yeah. is, is 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 great at the moment, home uh, and away, and 
yeah, we we will we will go again, Boyd, away from home soon. Um, we just need to think about the uh, seating arrangements. But you wouldn't want to be right down the front either, because then you don't have a good um, situation. You can't really well, see what the pitch properly. I've actually, I like actually have stood at yeah, I've stood at Palace in row one, and it was absolutely terrible. It was really? a game where it was a game where Alexis Sanchez, when no one liked him anymore, I think he scored, and no one even celebrated with him. Oh wow! And it was around Christmas time, and yeah, it was it was absolutely terrible. Okay, yeah, we we need to rethink the next away trip. But what? Because I missed most of the first half. Obviously, no, I, I did. I did watch it when I get when I got home. But what did you, Ricky? I mean, there's lots of issues. Very, I mean, first of all, you know, what? I've got a lot to say about the Sky coverage, and I'm I'm a huge, um, you know, admirer of uh, Carragher and Neville and everything, you know. Um, but I thought they really dropped the ball in, because, in, in last night with the coverage because. There were incidents, there were really interesting incidents that they kind of just waved away with that with barely even any analysis. And yet on that Monday night football, they spent hours, hours kind of analyzing the tiniest little incident in minute detail of other matches that have happened at the weekend, etc. And yet, you know, the match that you're watching there live, it's almost like barely they barely bother with it. I thought it and and my particular gripe, which I'm I might as well get straight to now, is with the sending off. Um, whereby you know, obviously, you can we can we can debate the the first booking for time wasting um, for Tomiyasu, and but basically he was he was the fourth guy because they they spent too long. They kept passing the giving the ball to someone else to take the fucking throw in, and then he took you know whatever it was eight seconds from. But it, it would already been out of play for about you know fifteen seconds. So that and we've been warned about that and everything. But the second yellow card was nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was an outrageously terrible decision by the referee, who I think for some reason just like had it in for him at that point. And it was an incredibly rash second booking. And on the Sky coverage, Jamie Carragher was like, oh, yeah, he had to go. And, and Neville was like, yeah. And that, and that was it. It was literally about a 10-second discussion. They yeah, didn't was... show it again. I was no. like, what the fuck? You're not, this is not what you're supposed to be doing in this game. I was very surprised that Carragher did say that because at that point it made me think, oh, maybe the clips I'd seen weren't correct. But having seen it again and again and again, yeah, it, he barely touches the guy. Yeah. I think the they they, they it's almost like they went over the throwing because they it was quite cool, like not quite cool, but it was showing. Oh, this guy had it for this like Havertz had mm. it fifteen seconds, and Tommy actually had it for eight seconds, and they showed the goal kick where Party sort of barely rolled the ball to Ramsdale, and Ramsdale came and got it, and they showed the referee saying like, no more. Um. And I had no problem with him booking Tommy Asu because, you know, you can't just keep holding, different players can't keep holding the ball and it all adding up time and then yeah, not booking sure. any of them. So that was fine. And yeah, essentially, Tommy Asu barely touches him. He goes down very easily. I mean, it was odd that he went down because I think he still would have got the ball. But I mean, I guess if he's unbelievably intelligent to realise that that player was on a yellow card and that he was going to therefore get a second one, then fair play. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it was a he had a card, but I think once the referee blew the whistle because he thought he fouled him, he had to send him off because if he thinks he's fouled him, he thinks he's pulled his shirt, then he has to get a card. I mean, I guess you could argue that Jordan Ayew um, had already been booked when he pulled back Saka for the free kick that we eventually got the penalty from. So it was a little bit of, well, of inconsistency. But yeah. I, I think with the Sky coverage, they obviously did quite a large piece on the Women's, on the women's World Cup. Mm. so I think they did significantly cut down on the time they had to go through the actual Arsenal game 
Yeah, but to 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 a ridiculous extent, I thought. I, for sure enough, fair enough. You got to have a discussion about the women's world cup, and that was fine. But it did that that did go on. And by the way, we've had a pretty you know quite a large amount of analysis of, of what happened with the women's world cup. Fair enough. I just thought it yeah. was weird. It was weird. Yeah, no, how, I don't. Disagree. And it was very. And and the other thing about it was even in the in the build up, Josh. This was interesting. You know, I think for for for, for actual proper Arsenal fans like us, the situation with Gabrielle is weird, right? At the very least, it's weird. No one would have guessed that for the first two games of this season, a fully fit Gabrielle was left on the bench. No, he, well, how many games did he play in in succession? Like you know, he played the entire entirety of last season, pretty much without interruption. And uh, I don't think I think the difference between like. Fan-driven, if I can use that pompous phrase, uh, analysis like our like podcasts and you know uh, uh, stuff like that, versus people like Carragher and Neville who just see Arsenal, you know, every other week or, or whatever. I don't think they're getting the importance of and the weirdness of the Gabriel situation. Like they discussed that at the, at the beginning of the of the build-up. Again, not really talking about it properly, not really giving any much explanation as to why he's doing it and, and why, how how weird it is. But it is bizarre, isn't it, the Gabriel situation? Yeah, it's definitely not one we could have seen coming. I've only got one logical conclusion to it. So there's a chance he leaves, but at the moment he's not leaving. That's what I think is going on. And maybe the Timber yeah. situation has, has further changed things. And I think it feels like, okay, we've got one more game before this window closes against Fulham. And you know what? They kind of need him on the bench because the level below him, they feel maybe with a holding or, you know, we don't need to go there in terms of slacking one mm-hmm. off, but they feel that the, there is a reason he needs to be on the bench. And I think he only leaves the club if someone else is is coming in. But there's something there, whether it's Saudi Do you think Arabia. that's driven by him, that, that he wants to explore no. that? No? No. I, I You know, he's, if he's making himself available to play, which very clearly he is, and the manager's using him and his attitude must be absolutely fine, but there just must be the situation where it's conceivable he's leaving. At the moment, he's not. But they've got to just get through these three weeks. Neither he will or he won't. And maybe what comes into this is the fact is we have got nine days to sell four or five players. That's a fact, right? We, we have got to sell players. Or they go on loan. They've got to get out. I think we need to get money in, Boyd. From what I understand, what, what people seem to um, that money needs to come in. We, we've really spent. And whether it's Balogun, which or Tierney or Sambi Lakonga, Tavares, Cedric, they're going to have to go. They've got to get off the wage bill and they've got to get some money in for them. And we're even the story this week about Pepe and his reintegration makes sense in the point they might have just exhausted all possibilities of going. <laughs> We can't completely write this guy off. We actually might need to have him in our, you know, in our group of players that might be here for the season now because no one is going to get anywhere near to the wages that we've got him on. And and maybe it's worth sticking around. So I think Gabrielle is possibly there is this opportunity to sell him. Maybe they don't really want to, but depending on what goes on elsewhere, they might have to. That's my only explanation because if it's on talent and what yeah. he brings to this team, yeah. we know he's in the team. And he, think... he started every game last... Was it, did he start every game, Ricky, yeah, last season? Every game. Yeah. Every game. It's a, it's a really interesting point, Josh, that I think you're insinuating that we would almost be open selling him just because we can't shift enough of the players that we would happily sell. Is that what yeah. you're getting at? I think that's where we're at. I don't think they... I, I don't think he will leave, but it, it must be conceivable that he might. It's the only conclusion I can reach. Yeah, I understand that because I think if you put transfer possibilities to one side and Arteta's gone, well, actually, I think this 
team works with party sort of starting at right back and then coming into midfield with Declan Rice, then it's all for me features around one player really. And that is Kai Havertz, because I think if you take Havertz out of the team, then you've got your Ben White sent uh, right back with party and uh, with Gabriel and Saliba at uh, center back. And then you've got Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, even Tierney, obviously once Timber goes down, and then you've got Party and Rice in, in midfield, Odegaard and your front three. And this is all sort of based around Havertz being shoot, not shoehorn, that's too harsh, but having to play, um, which strikes me as as very odd. If Havertz, you know, started, then didn't start the next game or played sometimes, didn't play the next, and you were rotating him with one of the attacking options, I don't really think anyone would have an issue. Or maybe when we face a team at home where you thought we would dominate and we would play one of Rice or Party, I don't think anyone would really bat an eyelid. But changing so much, i.e. Change, moving Ben White to centre-back, I think, as Carragher said last night, of our back four, we only really had one of them play where he was where he normally mm. plays for Arsenal, and that being William Saliba. Yeah. A lot of moving pieces to... to um, you know, make sure Havertz fits into where Arteta wants him to fit in, which I believe is quite strange. But I think it's really the only sort of talking point for Arsenal fans over the first two games, given that we played weak opposition. Uh, we haven't really looked great in them. Not fantastic. And you're sort of thinking as to why. And, you know, I wouldn't ordinarily say, well, we would look better going forward if we played Gabriel instead of maybe a Havertz. But it does look like a change that I'd be open to seeing. Uh, because mm. I just think there's something missing right now. But we obviously played for half an hour last night with 10 men against Nottingham Forest. We looked as if we'd almost just, you know, we were sleepwalking to 90 minutes, tune it up. And then obviously we had a bit of a, a scare. But I do think it's just slightly strange, but it's early days. You know, if we were still playing this formation and we were, you know, top of the league come the end of September and it's working right, then no one's really going to, question the fact that Gabriel was uh, on our second choice or third choice centre-back or whatever. It just looks odd because we were so used to seeing Gabriel and Saliba every single game last season up until Saliba's injury. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I have seen um, people try to explain, give a kind of tactical explanation because he was asked about it after the game, Arteta, and he basically said it's nothing to get too excited about it. What it is tactical. I'm just trying something, I'm doing something different. And I've seen explanations about kind of connected to what you're saying a little bit about Kai Havertz, but actually more about um, kind of giving giving the right, but without Zinjenko, giving the right sided fullback more of more of a chance to get into midfield, which of course he is doing absolutely because he's a midfielder, right? Party. So a lot of people said that if, when Zinjenko comes back, which he's quite likely to do now, isn't he? In the next game, having come on yesterday and played really well, I thought. Um, in when we're down to 10 men, that then it, 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 we, we've got that outlet of him going into midfield all the time, which he does anyway, and more probably more naturally, naturally than party does on the other side. And therefore, when he comes in, m- maybe probably Gabriel will come back, you know, alongside, you, you know, in his, in his normal position, because this is all to do with slightly the lack of Zinchenko and wanting to have that three at the back formation. But what's really interesting is, is that I think that's a good explanation, but I think it's also a kind of a post post fact rationalization of a weird situation because I m- murmurings that I think we all any of any people who know people uh, are such a we all hear murmurings and I think the journalists are all hearing football journalists hearing murmurings that there is a weird something odd going on with Gabriel that there have been 
I think Saudi Arabian approaches. I'm looking at the headlines today about um, Real Madrid wanting being interested in him, about PSG being interested in him. There's not, so, and who knows, you know, how that plays out when you're in the squad at the beginning of the new season and whether that's disruptive in some way. Who knows? I don't know. But it's it's definitely a weird situation, whichever way you dice it. But we'll talk more about that and the game yesterday and any other Arsenal issues of the moment after this break. And we're back from the break. Um, what did you make then, Ricky, generally? Uh, you know, uh, you alluded to it before, and I agree with you, that it's weird, isn't it? We've p- played two games. We've kind of easily won them in a way. Well, not easily, so that's the wrong word. We played well, pretty well in them, and we've had quite a lot of control in them, loads of possession. But we, I think we have lacked the kind of um, dazzling football we played most of last season, which pretty much we played from the beginning by, by mem- from memory. And this feels, I, I, it feels to me like we're playing more like Man City play, which is a bit of like a bo- slightly boring version of what we do normally. And the Man City already are playing more exciting versions of that, which is what we were doing last season. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we've swapped roles a little bit and that um, I feel like Arteta's trying to get control. He's obsessed with control more than anything. And I wonder if it's sl- and thing in Kai Havertz that you mentioned, I think, which isn't I don't know, is, is an interesting one. I just feel like the fluidity is lacking a bit, even though I feel like we are equally. I don't ever feel I haven't ever felt either of those games. Even last night, even when we went down to ten men, I thought we played pretty well um, in the end. I still felt confident we were going to ride it out and win. Do you know what I mean? So I think it feels very mixed. Is is the bottom line? Yeah, I think that's interesting that you felt we were comfortable you you were confident we were going to win last night it's i mean it's, it's great but and i'm sure I don't, that I maybe I'm, do you know what maybe that may be misleading I think, the event. <laughs> I think i think we had a i think we have an aura about us now of like uh, you know a kind of city style aura of, of semi-invincibility so that was made that's kind of what i felt but equally i was absolutely you know it was incredibly tense yeah, as soon as no, we I'm went not, down to ten minutes. But yeah, I'm on. not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think <laughs> no, that no, it's, no. it's great to have that confidence in a team. And I guess I'm more of that sort of stereotypical fan who will, you know, watch from behind his pillar in those situations, waiting for the for the net to bulge. Because I didn't feel they were definitely going to score, but it was horrible. I also yeah. it was horrible just watching us just essentially clear the ball to their centre backs. And no, I don't think we cleared the ball once to anyone near an Arsenal shirt and it was only right at the end when we started a, a little bit of passing that we that we actually got a little bit of control back but I think that it's, it's we're two games in and again we face Fulham on Saturday where it's another one of those where it's just about whilst it'd be great to play well I think with three games against teams that you sort of fully have to win. It's just about making sure you do win. Obviously we face United after where again, whilst the points are always the most important thing, you feel like if you can get one over on United and play well, it, it means a lot more than beating Fulham, say three 0 But I think against Forest and Palace, we have, we have been in complete control. And whereas against Forest, it was conceding, which then meant we had a nervous last 10 minutes last night was because of the red card. So I think, on one hand, yeah, we've we have been in complete control, but we've shown how easily that control can slip by either a, a mistake um by getting a red card or simply by conceding a goal, then suddenly everyone everyone, you know, starts panicking. But I think if the players never lose control or they always think, Yeah, that's fine, we've gone down to ten men or okay, we we it's two one, um, then and they're still confident, then I think that's probably the most important thing. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have, I've kind of forgotten about the fact that for the for the it's, when we did go down to ten men, for at least like I don't know, like twenty of the remaining, however long there was, twenty five minutes, we we did immediately revert to a kind of lo, low block and invite them on to attack us fairly relentlessly, which was annoying. And it was only when he made really good substitutions that he brought Jorginho on um uh and Sinchenko and that, and then we started to exert some more control that that's funny actually sorry to cut you mm. off the board I thought I don't think I think his substitutions were interesting firstly I think there's always that thing against Forrest when we went when it went to 2-1 as a fan you stand there in the stadium for 10 minutes you know really almost praying that they don't come anywhere near your goal obviously it's only when you watch it back you realize they actually didn't have a single sniff other than when i think gibbs white shot over the bar similar with last night i didn't really have a chance as they went down for a penalty which which was never a penalty and ramsdale um took a couple of crosses as well they didn't really have a chance but i felt that he kept havertz on for surprisingly long until i thought whether well, he's only really keeping him on i think for set pieces he's obviously i think he's now probably our tallest player i think he probably stayed on the pitch just to probably have a better a bit more height uh from defending set pieces but i think he was just sort of it wasn't i wouldn't blame him for it but he didn't get in the game um for like a minute from the minute we went down to 10 men i'm not sure saka at fullback or wing back was the best i thought just springs Zinchenko on straight away mm. But yeah. again, it worked out okay. I thought maybe his subs weren't fantastic because I think Enketi, I thought Enketi was putting himself about really well. And he I would have preferred to see him up top rather than Havertz. Uh, but maybe, like I said, it was just because of the height. Yeah. It's interesting, Josh, because because I thought um uh, you know, I think we we played pretty well for the first half. Um and you know, players like Declan Rice had a brilliant game, I thought, absolutely fantastic game. I mean, kind of all the way through. Um, and yet, there is something there is something lacking about 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 us at the moment. I'm not complaining massively about it, but it's the first. But but there is it's an interesting situation where yeah, Havertz, as Ricky says, you know, I'm not sure either had had the greatest of games, and you know, didn't look that great when he was part of front. But you know, ignoring the mad man behind us who hates him. Um, it was. It was just an interesting. It was a fascinating performance in a way because there was so much to kind of um, take in about it, wasn't it? Yeah, I I wasn't quite as tense. Maybe being there, I get what Ricky's saying. Is somehow when you when you're sort of there, even though we did get deep, they they weren't making massive chances after massive chances. They had half chances. Could could have got a goal. Um, at the end and it's tough and I think psychologically just going down to 10 men the nature of the substitutions that were made I mean if we look at the players that came onto the pitch for Arsenal um, you know Gabriel came off Martinelli and obviously it was very late but there's still 8-9 minutes to go Zinchenko for Odegaard Kiwiel for Saka uh, I mean that is a t- very very defensive group of players that you had on the pitch by by the end of the game and I, I think I'll take the positives of the way Arsenal dug in that for so many years we were accused of not yeah. being able to do that. And, you know, we didn't concede, you know, huge amount of, of chances, you know, on our goal. If you actually look at it, you know, Palace only had two shots on target the entirety of, of the game. So it wasn't like, you know, we were clinging on for absolute uh, dear life. And it, it's tough, you know, the, the odds massively um, shift when, you know, you go down to 10 men in favour of the other team coming back into the game. So, I'll look at the positives, but you, you, 
you talk about it being two games in and we've not looked convincing. Well, you know, you, it's almost hard to believe. You go, right, well, Thomas Partey's at right back and is going to keep popping oh, up since the midfield. I know. But so, like, how many left backs, could, you know, you could have named before Tommy Asu, you know, six months ago, <laughs> they were going to start at left back. You've got White at right. You know, there's so many, as, as you've just been articulating, have, have gone there. And not least, you know, at the very, very top of the pitch, we've got, Eddie, instead of you know Gabriel Jesus, um, mm. never mind the the changes in, in behind in in Rice and Havertz, and you know the, this Ed, is going to take time. Yeah. This is what, this is a big change in turnover of yeah. plan from last year. Ed, Eddie did well, uh, you know. I thought he played really well, but but the finishing, the fin- I th- again, I find it so weird. Alan Smith go, what goes on about what natural finisher is. I mentioned this last season quite a lot. I think it's so it's such a weird thing to say because if anything, get what, smudge on. I've got to get Smudge on to talk about on. this with you. I'm going to because do it. Because it's so funny. That, 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 and, and that game last night proved, again proved that actually finishing is his problem. He's well, great. He was really good. Really good. One of his best performances for Arsenal, I thought. Led the line, all of that, you know. But it's finishing. It's just... Well, the turn was terrific. I didn't yeah. appreciate it quite yeah. as much as uh, I should have done for the one that does hit the post. He, he nearly does everything. You know, we're nearly talking about an, an exceptionally good goal. Um, yeah, the, the one that he, you know, he misses an absolute sitter, and I guess that's the the question mark against him that he needs, you know, several chances. What I also didn't appreciate was when he did win the penalty that it was a really bad ball from Martinelli. Oh, he I know. Really, it was weird, wasn't it? Massive yeah. area of the pitch to get that ball in right, to lay it 15, 20 yards. And he, he nearly really cocked it up. And, and Eddie does brilliantly to do the only thing he can in that situation, which is yeah. get there first and make sure the goalie gets a big uh, a big clunk of your of your foot. So he did what, you know, ultimately, he, he did the key moment in the game, which was to win the penalty. What did you make? So I, Saka was... Was up to his tricks, wasn't he? He held the ball forever, and then he handed it over well, to the guard. Yeah, I, I, I wonder whether I can't work out whether he was doing that deliberately as a trick, or whether he just lost confidence in himself to take the penalty. I don't know. I really? feel that was premeditated. I just think it's you see all these tactics now, okay. don't you? So heavily. I mean, we what, what game was it going on the uh, the other day where there was quite a big penalty save uh, in the Premier League? That was the Chelsea Enzo Fernandez. Oh he yeah, Mo Salah also missed penalty. But uh, what was funny was with the Enzo Fernandez one, he took the ball straight away, and it made me think, okay, yeah. he's obviously not taking the penalty because no one takes the ball anymore and just holds it for that long. But he did. He, as soon as the penalty was given, he took the ball and held it for a long time, and then eventually he did miss the penalty. But yeah, I would assume that that was always the plan for Saka to take the ball and give it to Odegaard last night. Uh, funnily enough, I actually, um, like I mentioned, I took my daughter to her first game last weekend so I had to buy a program for the monumentous occasion and um, I read Erdegaard's notes and obviously coming off the back of the community shield he mentioned about taking a penalty and he said that um, I would always feel comfortable taking a penalty in the game so I went back to that moment as he stepped up I thought okay I read about this you know he's he's going to be pretty comfortable and obviously as soon as you see the goalie dive one way you uh, your heart uh, goes back into its chest, and uh, it was it was lovely to see that ball nestle in the other in the other corner, which was uh, it was a really really good penalty, very good penalty. Yeah, it, I, it I think good. it makes sense that he's that penalty taker because he's such a cool customer, isn't he? Uh, Odegaard, he just he's got a kind of you know authority to him. And at least you saw it, boy. It was at the right end. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Thankfully, yeah, that was that was a bonus. What did you make, Ricky, of of Eddie, of uh, enigmatic Eddie? Um, so. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a, a massive Inketia fan. I think he should probably be our third striker rather than our second. But 
I don't really see that changing anytime soon. Um, and I think he just offers so much less than Jesus. But I thought last night, it's funny, he did some really good things, which are more up Jesus' street of, you know, winning the ball back well. And, you know, some some he actually went, I think, on one really nice, mazy dribble. But it's his finishing which let him down. But yeah, he was alive for the goal, did well. Uh, you know, Alan Smith actually said on commentary, it doesn't matter where the ball goes once Nketiah gets there first. I think it was a penalty, but I don't think, I think if I was a Palace fan, I would have been screaming at the television the fact that Nketiah does basically just kick the ball quite far away and then go down and uh, oh, yeah. keep his hand. But I, like I said, I still think it was a penalty. I thought Nketiah did have a good game last night, hmm. but I think that you really do have to take those chances and he missed, especially the one where Declan Rice put him through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sort of sat the goalie down and then dinked it over the crossbar. That was particularly frustrating. But Nketiah, I mean, the, the week before, Nketiah barely touched the ball against Forrest or didn't seem like he got involved at all, but yeah. he still scored a goal. So I think, you know, his his play two games had a, had a big impact in, in both of them. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I really hope that he can continue this form this season because... Is right. We don't know when Jesus is definitely going to be back, and even when he is back, he's picked up a couple of injuries. And we've got Champions League football this season. We obviously would much rather we went further in the domestic cups as well. So Enketi is going to play a lot of football, and I imagine mm. that is what kept has sort of helped keep Enketi at the club because I think a lot of Arsenal fans were thinking maybe it would be Balogun, maybe it would be Enketi that would go this summer at least for a little bit. And I guess Nketiah probably looked at the season he had last season, sort of think, well, I know I'm going to play a lot of football. Balogun maybe coming off the back of playing a whole season in uh, in France, maybe thought, I don't want to have a season where I'm not sort of guaranteed to start for my team. Yeah. Nketiah's probably boxing clever and just thinks, I'm going to play a hell of a lot of football for the team that just finished second in the Premier League. I'll take that. Yeah, I have this slight fear that you know, because apparently Chelsea are interested in Balogun, and why? Why wouldn't they be? By the way, they need a, they need a striker um, more than anyone pretty much. And I have this fear that, you know, we sell Balogun to Chelsea or something for like, I don't know, 40, 50 million quid. And he ends up being really, really good and slightly better than Eddie. Maybe. I don't know. Is that stupid of me, Josh? They've got the same agent, don't they? Which is weird. I think it's a really unusual situation for them to be in, but it seems like Arsenal have been pretty clear cut here about where they see um, the, the two of them. Now, maybe that also comes down to, which one they can extract more value from at the moment on the back of Balogun's stock being high. And, and I think they do need to bring money into the club, as I, as I mentioned earlier. So um, that must play a little bit into it as well. Um, the Chelsea interest seems, you know, sort of genuine. Um, but if, you know, if you read the reports today, it's suggesting Arsenal are looking for up to around 50 million quid but but Chelsea are quite far away from all from from that valuation but he's going to have to go somewhere in the next you know 10 days isn't he and um yeah you know much as we'll have a sell on clause and you know benefit in some way if it does go very successfully down the line this is a rare one in terms of selling a, a you know someone that's been hyped up and excitement about and who's gone there and had a massive season and isn't seemingly then going to get an opportunity to prove it. And I watched some of the uh, preseason friendlies as I know you did, Boyd, see the ones games out in America and the way he was interviewed after the game, it, it, you could read between the lines that yeah. he sees his future away from Arsenal and 
maybe that had been made clear to him as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting what happens in the next 10 days. But, um, yeah, it seems pretty certain that he's going to go. But I don't love the idea of selling him to Chelsea. I mean, we haven't had it all great from transfer business from Chelsea. We hope Kai Havertz works out. But there is a list, isn't there, of Willian, David Luiz and, and others yeah. where... Yeah, I'm not Hasn't sure. Been amazing. Jorginho sure. has been okay. Jorginho has been. He was, was good when he came on as well. But I'm not sure, Ricky. If yeah, if I'm going to feel that thrilled that we spent a huge amount of money on Kai Havertz and they end up buying, you know, Balogun, this kind of hot young prospect. I don't know. It feels a bit. Well, what do we what do we buy Havertz for? What fifty or million? If we can get that anywhere near that sort of fee for a player that has scored one Premier League goal, then and is a striker, then I think that's fine and. Based on Chelsea's recent transfer history, sending them anyone would would be a good thing for Arsenal. So um, yeah. yeah, I don't have. There's not many teams that I think would spend fifty million on what is a very unproven striker, um, other than Chelsea. So yeah, if we have to send them there, then to to make some money, then I don't have a huge issue with that. But I would put a huge caveat next to that to say that I am able to withdraw that comment when he finishes <laughs> his top goal scorer. Yeah. Yeah, but we can all agree on one thing, which surely, which is that Declan Rice showed to to, to some extent why he, we paid hundred five million for him. I thought he was brilliant. Um, yeah, kind of. I, I I thought he had a great game last night. I thought against Forest, he just sort of ended up almost having to pass the ball sideways a lot because Forest made themselves difficult to break down. I thought last night he was. Um, it was funny in his interview on Sky. He said he just thought before the game he was just. I think to quote him was, "I'm just going to have it." Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which I'm not sure if Arteta, uh, I assume Arteta talks slightly more tactically than that. But um, <laughs> yeah, Rice decided to just have it. And yeah, he definitely went forward with the ball a lot more uh, than he did against Forrest. I just thought, I think our best player in both games has been Party. Maybe Rice last night, but Party has been very good in both games, which again sort of looks slightly funny considering there was a lot of talk about him going to, to Saudi Arabia in the summer. Mm. and his uh, start of the season um, I know again we've played weak opposition we've only played two games but he's, he's starting nicely um, and yeah I, I I think a lot of people also thought that we would see Rice and Havertz as our midfield and Party would maybe play not as much but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case just based on the first two games and I am for that because I think that I would like to see Rice going for more Party just gives us something which I don't really think anyone else in the squad can give us. Um, and yeah, he definitely is able to make some awful errors and he almost did. He made a bad pass last night where they got, where they won a free kick and dangerous yeah. position from, but overall party is, is an extremely important player for us. And I'm sure Rice will compliment him. Well, I think that could be a really, really good midfield for us. Yeah. I mean, there is something interesting coming there. If Gabriel does stay, what we do, you know, in that game against, uh, Manchester United, isn't it? You know, in, in early September, that if Gabriel is at the club, does he come in and Ben White just goes back to right back, and you know we're kind of in a more uh, traditional back forward to what we came to expect closer to last season, presumably with Zinchenko as well returning to full fitness. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. But I agree with you; I thought he did he did pretty well, um, pretty well yesterday. Boydo, you'll be you'll be there Saturday. I will, yeah. I'm bringing my uh, an American friend Neil from New York. He's going to come. Uh, wrote sighting. Is that his first game, or he's a regular? Um, a regular on his travels. When he's... 
I don't know. I think he came. He, he did come when he was years and years ago. I'm talking literally like back in uh, high. Came oh, to high Bin Laden's high. been once in the nineties. Yeah, yeah right. that, that, Let's not compare him with Bin Laden. At this stage. But um, <laughs> but he probably. I think it's Is probably that true that case. story. Did Bin Laden really come in the nineties? Or was that just like folk? I think it's folklore. I think he was an Arsenal fan, wasn't he? I think that was the that was the that seemed to be what a lot a, a journalist said, and Could that. Be- that there's a kind of there was then a kind of attempt to justify that or, or to back that up with some I don't know evidence. I feel like is it that he came to like Arsenal Torino or something. Yeah, in the yeah. ninety uh, it is further alleged Bin Laden visited the Arsenal <laughs> club shop after the quarter, cup quarterfinal between Arsenal and Torino in March March nineteen ninety four. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, it's I'm not real great Bin Laden your, knowledge. Josh. Yeah, yeah, who knew? Yeah, my friend Neil's coming. Anyway, that's exciting. I'm I'm fascinated because I want. I think you know. I think if Zinchenko's fit, then and because Tommy Asu's um is suspended. Remember, so if Zinchenko's fit and comes in, I then I, that that makes it really interesting as to whether you know wh- 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 does Gabriel come back. You know, I'd quite like to see. I kind of agree with. Um, I kind of agree with Ricky. I'd quite like to see if this is what you were suggesting. I think this is what you're suggesting, Ricky. Ricky was just that. I'd like to see Declan Rice and Party both in midfield, proper, fully in midfield together, right? Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah. I think Arteta is going to run and run with Kai Havertz until. I yeah, I think is. I think Arteta is going to do everything he can to make sure Kai Havertz is has his name sung as. Hero around yeah. the Emirates Stadium, yeah. As soon but as, I, I as can, possible, I know what you mean, but I don't know. I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But he's got to drop. One of them's got to go. I mean, you know, I, I think. I think. I, th- I think we'll start with the same team, but Zinchenko for Tommy Yasu. I, okay. I think that. Um, I don't think Arteta is stupid enough to just play Havertz till he can't play him any longer. But I think this is probably the one transfer that springs to mind, anyway. Other than, I guess goalkeepers where Arteta's really sort of stuck his neck out we haven't this uh, have a signing really caught everyone off guard mm. and I think it, there's an element of you know this is a very clever transfer it really shows Arteta to sort of be tactically different from maybe what we thought and I'm not to say that Arteta is stubborn enough to you know put himself ahead of the team for one second but I think he's really going to want to see this plan come to fruition and if that means Gabriel sits and watches a game if that means the party or even not Rice I don't think Rice will be on the bench anytime soon but if a party just has a game on the sidelines maybe to manage him a bit because we know we don't want him to get injured which he often does then I I think we'll see Havertz in the starting lineup for the foreseeable future I guess the United game will be a big test because he, you'd like to assume, although United's midfield is so bad, you'd kind of assume we would play Rice and Party against United. So um, it will be interesting. And mm. I guess I kind of hope I'm wrong because as much as obviously I won't have us to, you know, to, to prove himself, I would be happy if he started on the bench on Saturday. Yeah. Well, bearing, it, bearing that in mind, then what's your prediction as to what's going to happen? Um, I think, well, Fulham haven't, well, they just lost, was it 3-0 at home to Brentford? Um, so off the back of that, I'm going to say they're going to be in for another three 0 defeat with uh, yeah us us running being a bit more comfortable this weekend. Mm. Yeah, I might go for three one personally. Josh, I think two nil. Uh, yeah, I think this yeah. um probably a two nil and yeah, be uh, be absolutely fantastic if we can keep this uh, winning starts to the Premier League going. 
Um, yeah, I, I, only three teams have won yes. all, both games, isn't it? Not, yes. Hmm. That is Sadly, one of them is Man City. I know. But <laughs> I meant to say this earlier when I was kind of complaining slightly stupidly about <laughs> the way we're playing at the moment, when in fact, you know, really, that, that was kind of a famous result, really, to get to, to, to get a result at Crystal Palace when you're down to 10 men and to keep up with keeping up with Man City I think is clearly in their minds now I think of the players matches like you can't you know you can't drop any points and that is an amazing transformation isn't it we're now a club that feels like we're in a race already with Man City and I think that is an you know a kind of incredible transformation in itself that's my long-winded way of saying I am actually really happy with the way things are going despite slightly being slightly overcritical of Arteta earlier on um, I, do, Ricky, I do think it's important. On. Sorry, I think I think um, you know, although they've had harder games, all of our top four opposition rivals have already dropped points. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Other than unless you know, there's a fair shout to maybe include Brighton and that, maybe not. But um, yeah, if you look at all the other teams that finished in the top what, six last season, all of them have already dropped points, other than us and City. So that's that's positive. Hundred percent. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck with your Pleasure. other podcast. What's it Thank called again? Much. Across the Divide. Across the Divide, very good. Across and, the Divide. Um, yeah. Across the Great Divide, of course, it's a classic song by the band who's uh, uh, Robbie Robertson died last week, sadly. Anyway, uh, thank you very much. And Josh, are you going on Saturday? Oh, no, you, you can't make it, can you? you I, um, I'm not. I'm away this uh, yeah. weekend, sadly, for a wedding, so I'll be relying okay. on the... On, on coverage, I'm not sure. Yeah, radio, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, okay. But yeah, back uh, back the following week. And I know you'll enjoy the view from club level infinitely oh. more than the away end at that, Selhurst Park. So. That will be a relief. A and, I, and I'll be starting the singing of the Voulez Vu song, obviously. Why don't you sing it for us now, Boyd? Just in case there might be people that didn't pick it up. I can't remember the ridiculous words, thankfully, to the to the Saka version. Apart from the fact that where where Alan Partridge sang "Aha," we sing Saka. Aha, Saka. There you go. That's as much as you'll get. Vu, everyone. Goodbye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.